uh, if you guys haven't heard, Table Fellowship starts here pretty soon. Have you guys heard about that? Anybody? You guys freaked out about it? <laughs> Are you excited about it? Uh, the, the basic gist. All right, if you sign up for this, you will be paired with two to three other families. You guys will eat together, okay, every other week. Now, you won't exactly know who the families are going to be until you get there, which is, which is interesting, right? And then the idea is, is, is that we're making a commitment. We're not just going to show up whenever. We're committing to meet with these families for 18 meals, from, so from now till October. Again, a little bit mm, at first, right? But here's the point. The point is that in this size of a group, when everyone is fully committed, when you sit down at the table, you know that everyone across from you has made the same commitment. We're all in this together, right? There's a kind of a, a safety, a, a trust level when everyone else has made an investment, right? Um, you go to start a business, right? And then it, the people you started with, you want everyone to be invested. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Now... Have you noticed what changed in you in just, the, in just those two seconds? How much more aware you are, right? All of a sudden, your eyes, your ears, your senses, you are what? Am I supposed to, you know, to jump up and run out here screaming? Do we need to look for, I mean, again, like you're just alert, right? We call this disruption, right? When the ordinary, yeah, you guys are like, oh, that's lame, if you, yeah, it was lame that these lights back here, we couldn't turn them off too. So, it was, you know, <laughs> couldn't pull the full thing off. But, you know, again, even in that, just two seconds of a light switch going off. It's something that, that we've all done before. You do it every day. In your house, you turn off lights, you turn it back on. But the difference is, in those situations, you are in what? Control. You know what's coming. You know what's about to happen. In life, there is a sense of control that we all tend to want to find. We want to have the most money, influence, power, security. And we want this so that we can control our environment. So I understand, so I can control the things around me. So I don't get surprised. We seek, uh, you know, security. And so what happens is disruptions are when the ordinary gets interrupted, right? Right? when our uh, routines get altered, whenever our comfort zones get taken away from us. Now, there's also something about this too. Disruptions are terribly difficult for us because they begin to challenge our assumptions, meaning the things in life that we take for granted. For example, when you wake up tomorrow, what things do you know are going to happen? Come on, just holler it out. Breakfast, right? I'll get up, and the odds are is that you probably eat a similar breakfast every day, most of you. Now, there are some of you oddballs who just kind of change it up, and that's fine. But most of you have routine. You're going to eat similar things in the morning. Okay, who has kids? Okay, are the kids going to wake up before you in the morning? <laughs> Unless they're teenagers, right? And then you're like, that's, that's entirely different. But okay, so like with me, I know in the morning that whenever I wake up, I'll have like two boys in the bed. Rachel's too young right now. That's good, you know. She's too small to get out of the crib. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, but I know that I'll wake up very uncomfortable. There'll be like a knee in my eye, you know, and like, like the boys will be fighting, and we have a queen-size bed that's not big enough. I know this is going to happen. If they're not there, there's a disruption in the force, right? Someone's sick. All right? If, if my kids don't beat me up, and if they're not in the bed, all right, that means something is wrong. The ordinary has been altered. This week, we had three kids sick with the flu. I spent Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night 
rocking in a rocking chair with Rachel on my chest as she just sat there and just talked to me. No, child, Shh. go to sleep. <laughs> my life was disrupted. The ordinary rhythms of life stopped temporarily. It was a very difficult week for me, actually. I find that I thrive with routine that has the ability for me to kind of disrupt, if that makes any sense. So I had that routine and the freedom to kind of, you know, have an off day if I need one. But my entire routine was off. When I went to sleep was off. When I woke up, what I ate, the, the things I did with my day, I couldn't go into the office. I couldn't do my emails. I couldn't, I couldn't do any of the things I normally did. I, it was disrupted. The ordinary, I didn't know what to expect. Now, there's something about the unexpected. When there is something that is unknown in our lives, okay, we call this the, the fear of the unknown. There's two, um, two types of fear that we have. The first one is the fear of the unknown. So, for example, if there's a tiger here, right, you would experience what? Fear, right? But it's fear because you know this animal could kill you, correct? If there is a ghost that begins to fly around in here, right? This is called fear of the unknown. We don't really know anything about it. We don't know if it could touch us, if it couldn't touch us, if it's real, if it's not real, if it could bite us, if it couldn't bite us. We have no clue, right? But we're afraid of it because it's unknown. Fear of the unknown. Now, we have two ways that we respond to all fear. Do you guys know what those are? Fight or flight, correct? You will either choose to attack that tiger or you will choose to run. I always pride myself in being fast, and I knew if something goes wrong, I'm going to be fine because I'm always picking out people who are slower than me. I'm going to beat you to the door, and I'm going to beat you to the door. Who needs to be brave and fight? I can fly. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get right out that door, right? We respond to the unknown in the same fashion. We will either choose to fight it, right, to resist it, or we'll choose to run from it. We seek safety, predictability. But disruptions are part of life. Can you think of disruptions in your life? And as the pastor, the times when I get called the most often are when people experience disruptions in life, right? Someone, they, they unexpectedly lose their job. Uh, someone comes down gravely ill or sick, right? They didn't expect to be sick, but that sickness has now changed their future. They don't know what tomorrow brings, and now life is unstable. They lost a loved one in their life. Disruption. They don't know what's coming around the bend. But see, with disruption, the one part about that we often embrace is that disruption is built into life. You cannot live life without your plans being altered. There will be a day that pops up and has something for you that you did not know it was going to bring you. The ultimate kind of a built-in disruption in life. Can you guess what the one disruption in life is that we all have? Death. And silence. It works every time, doesn't it? Death is the ultimate disruption. Because it, it, it disrupts the rhythm of life. It disrupts your expectation. It, it disrupts every type of grip or hold. Because again, remember this. You want security. You want control. And the one thing in life that takes our grip off of things, that, that, that forces us to give up control, is death. None of us in this room can control this thing. And so it is the one built-in, guaranteed disruption 
in life that's coming towards all of us. Now, this is kind of where the faith comes in. This is where God comes in, right? Most of us have found a faith in God that helps us hide from disruptions. Okay, um, here's this analogy. Um, imagine a ship in a harbor, right? For most of us, we've been taught Christianity is the safe cove harbor that we kind of take our ship into and we kind of tether ourselves to the dock. And so what Christianity is, is a set of ideas. If we, just, if we believe that everything happens for a reason, right? You guys are here for those series, correct? I, yes? Were you guys here for that series? Okay, good. Pat the nod with me. Okay, if I believe that, that, you know, that everything happens for even, uh, that God is, is always in control, and that if I obey God, only good things will happen to me, then I can tether my ship to the harbor, and the storms may be out at sea, but they will never touch me. There's a problem with this. If this is the type of faith that we have, a, a faith that hides us, which protects us from life, the problem is, is that all of us at some point in time have to live life, Correct? You know, a ship is not, at, you know, sailing in the harbor, right? The ship only begins to really do what it was created to do when it leaves the safety of the harbor, when it actually goes out into open sea. And so at some point in your life as a Christian, you will have to actually what? Live life. And the moment that you begin to live life, you are taking a risk because things that are outside of your control can affect your life. Disruptions. And so the issue is, when we go out to sea with a faith that was only built to work in the harbor, what happens? When the waves of life hit us, when disruption happens, when the unthinkable happens, what do we do? How do we respond? Our faith wasn't built to handle that. Our faith was only built to handle this safe environment where we don't ask any questions, we don't, we don't shake any, any cages. We don't break any boxes. We sit here and we just convince ourselves that everything is okay until it's not. So what I see as a pastor a lot, when I get these calls of disruption, when life has hit people and they call me and I show up, and all of those trite little petty Christianisms that they were taught don't quite work anymore. And they look at me and they say, Why? Why did this happen? How do I trust a God who would allow these things to happen? The problem is at that point, it's too late. At that point, it's too late. Your ship is already sinking. It's too late for me to help you build a ship that can survive those waters. See, my job is not to be able to rescue, to rescue you when you're out at sea and the waves swallow you. My job is to help you prepare a ship in the dock right now that can survive the storms. That's my job right now. So my job, I'll say this, the funnest part of my job, part of my job, is to provide disruptions here. Um, who likes a wave pool? Okay, then you won't like this church right now. <laughs> now, the concept of the wave pool, right, is it gives you the environment of the sea, okay, but you still have an element of control, correct? You can still just kind of turn it off, right? But, you know, the wave pool can get kind of crazy. Have you ever been in like a big wave pool? Like the really big ones, right? Like the big ones where you're like, you see people's kids, you're like, why is your child in the wave pool? They're going to die, correct? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. What I tried to do here at Grace is I try to create a wave pool that will take you as close to what it's going to be like out there in here. We want to make sure you are seaworthy, if that makes sense, right? 
disruption is a key part of growth. In order for you to grow, to grow up, to mature in Christ, your ideas and your beliefs about God have to mature with God. One of the biggest problems we have is that we love security, and so we love to be told exactly what to think, exactly what to believe, so we can just hold on to those things, right? Just tie ourselves to the harbor. But the problem is is that God isn't that, and God doesn't work that way. The problem with God is this. He's always bigger than we think he is, right? We did the uh, Imaginary God series. you guys remember that? If you haven't seen that series, I encourage you to go watch it. We did the Imaginary God series, and the concept was this. None of us fully grasp yet who God is. None of us. And so we are in a constant process of having to take our God boxes. Here's the God I see. Here's the God I know, right? Here's the God I've experienced. And we're having to, to put it on the altar and allow God to smash it, to give it up, so that we can build ourselves a new box. Then we build a bigger box. Oh, I love this big box. That little box is great, but this box is even better. And then we have to do what? Okay. Here we go. We go to work again. Oh, now I got a really big box. And I think you know where this goes. The problem with disruption is this it never ends. If you are growing in God, right? If you're maturing, if you're growing up, you are constantly having your faith disrupted. Okay. Think about natural life, right? When you were six, what was the world to you? Okay, how, how did you view the world, right? The idea, the context is, is most of us thought the world was much smaller, right? Or we had a concept that everyone was like us. Everyone was, you know, say white, right? Everyone was Razorback fan, right? Everyone was a Republican or a Democrat, correct? Or everyone was whatever, right? And then as we get older, we realize, oh, wait, there's, okay, no, there's this color people and this color people and this, well, I'm not like them. What's that? Oh, so you didn't vote for the same president I did? Oh, there's people who aren't even Americans. Oh, there's people who hate America. What are you talking about? And as you get older, you begin to grow a new view of the entire world. But even in this way, we tend to stop. Even in this area, most of us in this room will have our ideas about the world cemented by the time that we are 21. You'll have all of your ideas cemented, and you will never be willing to change those ideas, no matter what the world changes. Okay, how about this? Who was taught in school that Pluto is a planet? I'm not willing to give up Pluto. I'm serious. I mean, okay, the first article that I read, and, you know, and again, I'm not sure when that was. Was it 2000? five or four or whatever, when they finally decided, you know what, Pluto's not even a planet. Man, I about lost my stuff reading that. I was like, no, it's not. You're wrong. Pluto is a planet. I, was, I did my science fair on Pluto. You know what I mean? Again, like, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter who says it. You're not going to give it up. Why? Because you want to keep that security. Even something as silly as Pluto being a planet. What does it matter to us if Pluto is a planet or not? Who's going to see Pluto in their lifetime? Yeah, none of you, right? None of us are going to see it. We're going to be dead and gone before someone reaches that planet, right? It doesn't matter, but we're not even willing to give that up because we need security. So what happens when we have a God who likes to disrupt things? We have a God who likes to kind of shake things up a little bit, right? 
Now, in the Scriptures, we have a God who is constantly disrupting. He's shaking. He's breaking the boxes that His people understand Him in. Okay, so, for example, the first disruption in the Scriptures, okay? The first disruption we see is with Abraham. Abraham is with his family. He's in his homeland. He's in his home place. And everyone knows what gods are like, okay? Everyone has this idea what gods are like. Gods are distant. Gods demand things from us. Gods are the ones who want sacrifices to keep them happy. Gods, if we sacrifice the right things, they won't harm us. We just got to make sure that they're happy with us. And then God, Yahweh, disrupts. He speaks to Abraham. You have to understand, this is a disruption. Because God before this does not speak to a man. He does not do this. This is not something that God does. And so the first disruption of Scripture is God speaks. And then God promises. And then God builds relationship. And then God forgives. And then God considers. And then there's huge disruption. God is about to destroy a city. And Abraham goes, well, please don't. And here's why. And God considers his idea. This is a disruption. And then Abraham feels like he has this God, and and Israel feels like they have God figured out. And then here comes Moses. And Moses begins to follow the same God, and now there's a new disruption. There's a a bigger box. Now this God who was speaking from the stars, this God who was distant in a way other gods were, all of a sudden he takes a form. Now this God is fire, and this God is a giant cloud. And now this God is on top of a mountain, and he sets the mountain on fire, and he's speaking from a thundercloud. That's called disruption, by the way. if, if me turning the lights off got your attention, imagine if there's a thundercloud and lightning bolts and I was speaking as if I was Zeus or something. I would have your attention, right? I would shake you a little bit. Disruption. And if you thought that was disruption, here comes the ultimate disruption. Here's the God of thunder and lightning and fire, and he says, hey, come up here and talk to me. I mean, that would throw you for a loop. Now, this is what they're talking about in Hebrews. When he talks about how, in Hebrews, he talks about how they couldn't even stand to hear the command of God. If even an animal touches this mountain, they will die, which was the first thing he said to them, right? And then he says to them, after he tells them, if anything touches the mountain, they'll die, he says what? Come up here. And they're thinking, you just told us if we touch it, we die. (laughs) What are you talking about? And of course, here's God going, disruption. Disruption. Hand me your box. I'm going to step on it. So they can't get that right. And so if you notice, this disruption goes to the entire Old Testament. And then this God gives them these, these stone tablets. And then God tells them to put a tablet, these tablets inside this, this golden ark, which all of a sudden now has a cloud over it. And everywhere they go, they win battles. Disruption. And then he wants a tent. And then he, he, he says, no, we're done with the tent. And now I want a temple. And now, now I'm done with the temple. Now... I want a body. Are you seeing this? If you're God who you have been told about for thousands of years, okay, the God your parents told you about was always inside this right here, okay? If he's in there, and all of a sudden you walk in the room, the lid is off, and he's standing there looking at you in a body, what would you do? Freak out. It's what every one of you would do. You would reject it. You would deny it. You would fight it. Maybe even crucify it. Sound like a story you've heard before? 
And then the body was scary enough. No, we don't need God with a body. That freaks us out. God, go back, get inside the box. I mean, literally, God was inside a box, the ark. Literally, God was in a box, the ark. And then he's in a body. Are you seeing this? I think I get it. He literally leaves the God box. It's beautiful. Man, these stories are great. He leaves that. He goes into a body. And then, of course, the body's not good enough either. So now what's he do? He's like, okay, if you can't take me in one body, how about this? I'll come in my spirit. Now I'm going to do what? Now I'm going to fill what? All bodies. Are you seeing this? Not only is God going to be in a body and I can look and talk to him, now that God's going to leave that body and I was going to come what? Into my body. I'm not sure if you realize how, how, how crazy and kind of outrageous Christian ideas are. Do you realize how outrageous this really sounds? No, no, no. The God who created all the universe, he's going to come inside of your body. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sounds good. Disruption. And no, no, no. That's not good enough either because now he's not just going to go into clean bodies, into spiritual bodies, into prayed up bodies, into obedient bodies. Now he's going to go into Gentile bodies, to, to these dirty bodies. And now he's going to go into these, these sinner bodies, these Sumerians, these traitor bodies. And now he's going to go into these enemy bodies, these, these Roman bodies, the ones who oppressed us and who killed us. The ones who steal from us. He's going to go into these bodies. Now he's going to go into these Ethiopian bodies. These black bodies. He's going to go, and now he's going to begin to fill these female bodies. These less than bodies, as we saw. Are you seeing what God is doing? Now here's the question. Is God the one who's changing? Is God evolving if he would? Is he finding these new forms he wants to explore? Or is it God who's always the same, but it's us who had to grow with our ability to comprehend him? And he's bringing us along. And it's a sequence of what? Disruptions. Disruptions. In the Scriptures, you notice this. Revelation, meaning new understanding of God always came with disruption. Every time God was going to show Himself in a new way, the old way had to be shaken, had to be left behind for something bigger and better and newer. Now this looks different for all of us in the room, right? It depends on your experiences, your background, your personality, your preferences. For, for some of you, a disturbance is going to look like an experience. I remember the first time I ever experienced a revival meeting, screaming and hooping and hollering and crying and emotion and sweat. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> it was an experience. And there was something about me that said, this is crazy. And there was something in me that said, there's something in here. There's something in here. Part of me wants to fly, like wants to run away. And the other part of me wants to fight this and say, this is all emotionalism. You're all faking it. But then there's part of me that says, maybe... It's all of that, but maybe there's also God in here somewhere. For others of you, it's going to be the, you know, the, the concepts of a book, ideas about God. I caught a lot of flack for doing a certain book study this year. They couldn't believe I would do that book study. No, fight it or run away from it. 
but please don't use that book. And I, I had my own leaders who would attack the book, my own leaders who ran away from the book, because they were so threatened by the disruption that this I, the book of ideas could do to them. So for some of us, it's ideas that disrupt us. For others, it's, it's practices which disrupt us. There are people here who still have to, to work out how is this spiritual? How is eating bread, drinking juice spiritual? How is eating with families every other week a spiritual thing? How am I going to find Jesus here? Because they've been told that God is in this box, and God is in this box, and God's in this box, and God is in you know these boxes. They haven't realized that God is in other boxes as well. Breaking out of these boxes. And yet, for others of you, disruption is going to look like people, stories, sitting down with people and hearing experiences and emotion and reality from other points of view. One of the biggest reasons that I try to foster diversity here, I want people who look different, who speak different, who think different, you know, who have experienced different things, because we come with different experiences of God. And this is the place where we're able to share those things. And I can come and have an encounter with God. In essence, I can go and live in your shoes just by sitting down with you and connecting to you. I can break my own boxes just over a meal listening to your stories. This is disruption. I have no idea where I am in my notes. I am disrupted. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think I already did all of it anyways. So here's what we're doing. This next, uh, this, this, this element, remember this series is all about trying to, to, to explain to you the, the values. What are the, the five key things that kind of direct the decisions we make here at Grace and Disruption is one of them. I'm, I'm always intentionally trying to lead us as a body into areas that are going to disrupt us, are going to shake us. And not all of us are going to be, choose to embrace disruption. But here's the concept. The concept is that if you will learn to embrace, intentionally embrace disruption in your life, that it will begin to allow you to grow and to mature and to strengthen to a point that when life, when the disruptions of life hit you, you will be able to survive those disruptions because you have already been able to embrace disruption in your life. You will get to a place where you are matured and strong and I use this analogy. You guys, um, have you heard about the forest fires in California? Have you heard about those this year, right? They're pretty terrible. We even prayed about them a few times, right? And so in, in forest, one of the things that happens in forest is that, you know, if it's been a long time since a forest has had a fire, right? You know, it's almost like it starts it itself. Uh, do we have farmers in the room at all? Anyone who's farmed at all, right? Uh, absolutely not. Okay, Awesome. Um, if you did farm, okay, you would know that what's vital in farming, there's a, there's a step to the process. It's important for you to, to burn the fields, right? So after a couple of years, after you've had so many years depending on the crop, okay, it's important for you to take a year where you don't plant anything. You don't till it. You don't work it. What you do is you set it on fire. Now, to the logical mind who's not really sure what's going on here in this process, it doesn't sound like it makes sense. So the goal here is to grow, you know, produce, fruit, whatever, and you're going to set it on fire for a year. You're going to leave that field alone for an entire year and just let it 
burn. What are you doing? See, there's something with the fire. See, field soil needs what comes from a fire. There are nutrients and, and processes that will only come into soil after it's been burned. And see, this even happens in, in forests. Forests need to burn. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I'm not a pyro. I promise. I promise you. And so even in forests, what they'll try to do, they'll try to do controlled burns, right? They'll go out and they'll try to prep the ground. And, you know, the, uh, the, the park rangers themselves and the firefighters will be the ones to start the blaze because they know if we will intentionally begin to start these disruptions that we can intentionally start, then we might be able to control them, to contain it. But if we don't intentionally embrace disruption, One will come, and when it comes, we will not be able to control it. We will not be able to even survive it. It could cause damage that we cannot repair. In your spiritual walk, you have to understand this. If you will choose to embrace intentional disruption, putting yourself in environments that are going to shake you a little bit, it will prepare you and help you avoid the big disruption which you cannot survive. This is where your faith will grow big enough with God, big enough with the world where you will be able to handle any disruption of the world. But if your faith stays plastic and safe and sterile, when you actually begin to live life, when you step one toe outside of your safe environment, your faith will not survive it. And so, Grace, you'll notice my sermons are often about disruption. I will say things and teach you things you might not hear at other churches, and here's why. Because you need to mature in your faith. There's no one in this room, including myself, who has yet to grasp who God fully is. We ha- we're not even close. And so there, is a, there are stages where we need to allow our little boxes of God to be broken and traded in for bigger ones. And this process will not ever stop. Now, I will not disrupt you every Sunday, Okay, if your life was nonstop chaos, that's not healthy, right? And so I try to do controlled burns. We're gonna plan a series every once in a while. It's gonna kind of set a fire in your life, just a little bit, okay? <laughs> just a little bit, all right. But we're also gonna take breaks. And if you look back at our series, you'll notice there's really some frustrating, controversial series, and then we'll take a break with some light <laughs> topics for a while. Um, and so sermons is a place to do it. But we also do this on Wednesday nights. We're starting back our classes on Wednesday nights. And so what's going to happen on this is this, we're going to have a class every single, how do you put this? We're going to have three to four classes going on nonstop from now until October. So every four to six weeks, we're going to change up our classes. These classes are the environment you want to be in to be able to have disruptions. Now, if you really want disruptions, um, I'll say this. I, myself and Pastor Zach, will tend to take the majority of the really major disrupting classes and I'm going to have those be small. So those classes are going to be anywhere from 8 to 12 people. We're going to be sitting in my office kind of going through it. And again, the idea is in these safe environments, we can have a controlled burn, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to sit there and allow God to get bigger. Allow our imagination, our concepts of who he is to grow so that after he's a bigger God, it, this makes any sense, after our God gets bigger, we go back and we just hold on to that God. And then he gets bigger and we hold on to that God and he gets bigger. And this is the process we go through that makes any sense whatsoever. Pastor Jack, do you want to come explain some more about these classes? Yes. What's up, y'all? 
All right, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, I think, what, last year we offered maybe four classes total all year long? Maybe. This year on the schedule, there are 24. 24. Hear that? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, wow. Like, yeah. That's so cool. Cool. You guys sound really excited. Disruption, we all right, love it. So we're going to take this a little bit differently this year. You know, we're offering, you know, your typical fare, but also some more challenging thing like Pastor Devin talked about. Uh, and we're going to even offer some things that are maybe something you've never attempted to do in a church, right? So maybe some practical hands-on stuff. Like one of the classes we'll do this year is called Adulting 101. Amen. We all need to learn how yeah. to adult a little so bit, So we're going right? to talk about things like how to manage your personal budget, you know, how to meal plan and all kinds of things like that. How to sheetrock and drywall, man. Yes. That? Home maintenance, car maintenance, all kinds of fun stuff. So this first round of classes, they're going to begin February 28th, okay? The classes will last six weeks. When those are over, the next round will start. And so we'll start sign-ups for these classes one month before they begin, okay? So these start February 28th. We've got four classes that we are offering. Uh, the first one is The Life You've Always Wanted with Pastors Larry and Juliana. And you have a following. This, this, Man. this class is based... When my class comes up, you better woo, all right? This oh, class is, uh, is based on John Ortberg's book, The Life You've Always Wanted. It's about spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines for ordinary people, right? So like people like me. It's no, not people like him. That's You're not right. what I'm talking yeah. about. No. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> you tried. It's okay. That's cute. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, it should be a very challenging class, but also a very uplifting class. You know, spiritual practices are one of the surest ways that you can grow consistently in Christ. Uh, number two, this session is uh, a Bible study, Acts in the Early Church, with this fellow. Oh, come on. Whatever. I'll be learning the Bible by myself, apparently. That's yeah. okay. So that's our serious class. It's not that serious. <laughs> Just reading the Bible. The next one is uh, confer- uh, con- controversial theology with me. So, like, if you like talking that's about... That's a serious class right there. Yeah. I promise you. We're going to have fun. Uh, if you like uh, debating and... and you just, don't have to debate. You can just no. listen. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about all kinds of random things that are just... that make They're going to make you want to pull your hair out, and you're going to be like, okay, I'm good. All right. You're then, signing up. Yes. Finally. One person. Well, finally, we have this class here called Kitchen Stars with Miss Nikki Sutphin. Food. So what's that? Uh, basically, if you sign up for this class, uh, you will take turns preparing a meal or teaching everyone to, to, to prepare a meal, right? So you'll teach them how to cook the thing, and then you'll eat it together, right? You'll take turns. So the, the sign-ups for this class are limited. There are only six slots. If you want to get in that one, you got to go get on it right now, right? Not right now, so, after Pastor Devin dismisses. If you, you want to learn to cook, you want to be in that one. Or so if you just want to eat good food, I'd be yeah. in that one, too. So the slots in these classes are all limited. They're all sign-up based. If you want to be in these classes, you have to sign up, okay? Mm-hmm. One of the reasons is we are basing our child care on who signs up, okay? So after service today, when Pastor Devin dismisses, you be sure to go to the info desk, sign up for one of the classes that you want, and indicate how much child care you need, you know, how many, your, your kids' ages and things like that if they're under, you know, kindergarten. Uh, in addition to this, we're also launching back Word Warriors with Miss Tia. Woo-hoo! And it starts... The same day. The kids aren't in here to woohoo. I it know. also 
it also will last that same six-week period. So it will also be sign-up based every single time. You got it? Four classes start February 28th. Think about it. Go sign up. Cool? Would you guys stand with me? You can't sign up for all the classes, Jenny. I heard you wooing on everything. It doesn't work that way, all right? You have to pick a team. All right. <clears throat> Let's try to transition best we can. How about that? Take two minutes to be a little bit prayerful. How about that? Two minutes. Um, we'll uh, head out of here screaming and yelling, whatever. Father, we come to you this morning. Uh, we just kind of slow ourselves down in this space. Lord, we love you. Um, we're here because we're not just here to, uh, to check something off the to-do box for the week. We're here because we want to grow with you. And we know that for us to grow spiritually, our understanding, our view of who you are has to grow also. We need to allow you to be as big as you are to us, as you really are in reality. So Lord, we just uh, we embrace disruption. Lord, even if we don't want it, if we're not sure about it, Lord, I ask, Lord, that for every heart in this room who desires to grow with you, that we would be ready and prepare ourselves to embrace disruption. Not disruption that brings harm to us or people we love, but disruption that causes us to grow, to mature. We know that you are not the author of evil or of pain, but we know that in all things you are ready to help us to grow and to survive them, to move through them and to come out stronger and healthier than before. And so right now, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would move upon our hearts, Lord, prepare us. Prayer team, I want to invite you guys to come on up. So this morning, uh, before we get out of here, if there's anyone who has been experiencing a disruption, a loss, a change in life, something that's kind of shaken you a little bit, um, these are unavoidable. We all go through them. But we don't have to go through them alone. So if you need prayer, if you need someone to listen, just to be there with you, I want to make sure that you come up here after service and, and have prayer. So Father, I just pray for every family in this room. Lord, we submit to you. We pray, Lord, that our families would be pliable, that we would grow and mature in the faith. We would not be content to stay where we are, but that our faith and our trust in you would grow and mature and we would abound, Lord, that it would go beyond where it is now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for our children, that our children would be, be healthy, strong, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We, we pray for spiritual health, Father, over our families, Lord. Spiritual health, Lord, that we would be families that are secure in our faith in you, Lord, that we submit our lives to you in Jesus' name. And we submit every area of our lives where there's disruption, there's hiccups, there's been problems, there's been unexpected issues that have come up. Father, we pray over those things right now. We ask, Lord, we expect to see you show up, Father. We pray and we believe, Lord, that you are present with us in this disruption, in this storm. And we ask you to give us wisdom on how to navigate this. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen, amen.